Hello and welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. We had a great Sunday in church today. We had our homecoming Sunday. We had a special speaker. We had Brother Brandon Lanch, who pastors East Union Baptist Church in Magnolia, Mississippi, come and preach for us. His wife, Miss Nikki, sang for us. Miss Allie Hodges played the piano for us. And we just had a wonderful time in the house of God with food and fellowship and worship. And it was just a great day. Uh, the podcast this morning is Brother Brandon Lynch, and his message is entitled, Fishers of Men. Please enjoy. Thank you, Brother Brett, and good morning, everybody. Morning. Excited to be here this morning with you to share God's Word, and Brother Brett, yes, I've been having to try to follow my wife after she sings like that for years, and I just have to just have to trust in the Lord when it comes time for this. Boy, she does a great job. But I tell you, it's, it's a blessing to be able to do this with my wife, that, that the Lord would find someone to, comparable to me, and that's what the Word says, that Adam didn't need to be alone, that he found, he gave Adam a helpmate to be comparable to him, to walk life with him. And I thank God every day as, as God chose Nikki to be that for me, and, and it's a blessing that she and I get to walk life, as she said, together, and we have been so blessed in the last few years to just go and preach at different churches. When we're not at East Union, she lead in worship, and I lead in word, and it's just beautiful. So we do appreciate you guys for having us here this morning. This morning, my opening verse is Matthew 4, 18 and 19, just to kick us off. Matthew 4, 18 through 19, and this is what the Word of God says. It says, And Jesus... Walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And God, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning. We are thankful as we have gotten to sing some beautiful songs to your heavenly name, Lord, as we got to worship you in song. And now, Father, now we have the opportunity to worship you in truth. My prayer is simple. Father, that you would remove me completely. Lord, for I have no value. We're asking the anointing of your Holy Spirit to come down this morning to touch us in our hearts. Lord, to change our lives radically so that we can live life knowing you and making you known. Be with us now, Lord, as we dive into your word this morning. I pray, Father, it speaks to the depth of our soul. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My name is Brandon Lynch. I have the privilege and honor of being the pastor at East Union Baptist Church. That's in Magnolia, Mississippi. I was telling a fella earlier, Magnolia is the one place that me and my wife both said years ago we'd never lived there. <laughs> I know God has a sense of humor because the one place that Nikki and I both said we're not living, that's exactly where he's put us. But it's been a blessing. We've been at East Union Baptist Church. This August will be four years. We got there in 2015, in August 2015, and it has been just phenomenal. The things that we have seen God do through people being obedient and just living by His Word. I understand today is homecoming, and I was so excited as Brett asked me to come here to preach to you guys today. I love homecoming. I know as a child when I was growing up, I am originally from a small town outside of Baton Rouge called Bruley, and as I grew up and I met my wife, I would love going back home. 
When my grandmother was alive, I'd go over there. There was two reasons I loved that. First, she spoiled me rotten, and I enjoyed it. And she would cook for me, and the next morning she'd cook for me some more. And I'm Baptist, so she would cook for me some more. And, and you know, I would love it. But going home was just special because it was an opportunity to relax. It was an opportunity to be revived and recuperate. But it would also give me some opportunities to reflect, to remember and to be reminded of some things. I would sit and watch my grandmother cook, and then I would go outside and, and take care of her yard stuff. But then I would remember my grandfather had been passed already, and so I would remember my grandpa, as he was a mechanic, and he'd be outside in his shop working, and the life lessons that he taught me, and I would just reflect on the years that I spent, because I basically lived at Grandma's, because that's where I wanted to be. Why? I was spoiled. I was the favorite, I knew it, so it was okay. <laughs> But I loved going there because it would just remind me of my childhood. Today, as you are experiencing homecoming, it is my hope to remind you why exactly do you exist to begin with? Why are we here? What are we meant to do? At East Union, we say this, we live by this, and regardless where God puts me, I will always preach this. I believe we exist for two reasons. First reason is to know Jesus Christ. We are made to know Him. And you can look through Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and biblical proof is that we are to know Him as Lord and Savior. But that's not the end of the story. We also need to be reminded of that second reason why we exist, and that is to know Him and then make Him known. Church, hear me. Whether you're at Chesbro Baptist Church, East Union Baptist Church, or the Church of Tenbuktu, we are meant to be outside of those doors sharing the love, hope, and gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not doing that, I'm here to tell you you're not living up to the potential of your existence. So today we're going to ask the question, how? How do we make Him known? Remind me, help me to see what it is Christ is calling me to do. Do I have any fishermen in this, in, in this church? Anybody likes to fish? I like to, but I'm guilty. I don't take my, my wife loves to fish, and Brother Brad, I'm failing. I, I don't ever take her. Um, but you know, fishing is something that is enjoyable. It's something that we, are, we all like to do. It's relaxing. Well, today I want us to see how do we make him known? Jesus says himself, I will make you fishers of men. We've got to be willing to get up, go out, and try to do the work of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today we're going to look, we're going to see this purpose. We're going to see and begin to understand how to become fishers of men. As today we're going to look at a beautiful story in the Gospel of John. John chapter 4. Very popular passage, verses 1 through 26. It's a lot of scripture, but it's Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at the well. Today as we look at this, we're going to see exactly how you and I are to become fishers of men. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Let's read God's Word. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place that, where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Amen. Heavenly Father, again we come to you. Lord, and what a beautiful story of Jesus going and Father making you know. Lord, I pray this morning that that's the desire that we would have as your creation. Lord, that we would go out and tell people about our wonderful Creator. Let your words speak to us this morning. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excited to sit here and, and talk about this with you this morning. But, you know, to become a serious fisherman, if you are going to be a person who's going to enjoy fishing, there's some things you got to do, Brother Brett. And the first thing you got to do is you got to be willing to invest in that. You've got to be willing to invest maybe a little money because you need a fishing pole, do you not? You've got to get a good fishing pole. You need some good, strong fishing line. You need a tackle box. You need some tackle. And if you really got money, bless you, you got to have a boat. Huh, man? I'm trying to help you out. you got to have a boat. And then, most of all, you've got to be willing to invest some time. Well, brothers and sisters, I want to hear to tell you this morning that just as you've got to be willing to make an investment into being a good fisherman, you have to be willing to invest even more to be a fisher of men. You see, to do God's work, to make him known the way that we were created to do so, 
to become fishers of men, we've got to also be willing, and this is something church folks today, it's hard to do, we've got to be willing to invest our time. We've got to get out of all these other extracurricular activities that we have going on. And look, nothing is wrong with that. Hear my heart. If you have uh, tons of stuff that you like to do, that is great. The problem that comes in today in 2019 is that it takes so precedence over what God has had in store for you and I to do. So we've got to be willing to invest our time, our love, our hearts. And if it takes a little money, that as well. This morning, I want us to see what it looks like to make that investment. What it looks like to invest our heart and our minds, our love, so that we can start investing in people. So to invest and become fishers of men, if you write notes, if that's something you do, then the first thing you must, and number one, is become intentional. Brothers and sisters, the church needs to start becoming intentional about going out and making disciples. The day of people just flocking into the church, that is over. The enemy is smart. And he has put things in front of people today that have totally wiped the church out where they're not thinking about coming into and filling the church anymore. So we, brothers and sisters, have to do what we see Jesus doing, and that's becoming intentional about going out there and seeking people to talk to. As we begin looking this morning, we see that Jesus was on the road. He usually was traveling. You could call Jesus the first traveling evangelist if you wanted to because he was always going. And as they were on their way back to Galilee, it says he had to go through Samaria. Now, there was a reason he wanted to go to Samaria because Jesus knew there were people there that the church wasn't reaching. Why? Because Jews in Samaria, they didn't, they didn't click. You did not catch a Jew go and just freely talk to a Samaritan. They were a lower class of people. In fact, if you read more on them, they were kind of like half-breeds. They were just a different breed of people, and they did not talk to one another. But what did we see? We see Jesus intentionally going and talking with someone. Look at verse uh, 5 again. It said, verse 4, But he needed to go through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus intentionally put himself in a position where he would talk to people. I ask you this morning, are you intentional about sharing the gospel? Are you intentional about in your daily life, tomorrow's Monday, I don't know you guys, I don't know what you do, but you're going to get up and you're going to start your day, you're going to go to work, summer's out so the kids aren't going to school, but everybody's got stuff to do. What does your daily life look like? Are you intentional about sharing the hope that you have with Jesus? Because if you were to get up in the morning and go fishing, what I promise you is you will not just get up and flip a coin and say, wherever fate takes me, that's where I'm going to go. You're going to have a plan. You're going to have a plan. You're going to know exactly what lake or what pond or wherever it is that you go fish. We're in Louisiana, so we'll hit some rivers. 
You're going to have a place you want to go. You know your special honey hole. Man, you are intentional about making sure you're going to get there before, you know, Farmer Joe up the road gets there. You want to make sure that everything is just right. There is a plan in place, and you're going to intentionally follow that plan. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Chesbro Baptist Church, you need to be intentional every day that you wake up with a plan to share the hope you have in Jesus. That's how we make him known. Sunday morning... That's for you to reflect. That's for your rest. That's for your time to worship. And Monday morning is time, Christians, to go back to work. Yes, Amen. This is who we are. We're created to know Him, but then go out there and make Him known. So my prayer is this, is that we become a people who are intentional about making Him known. 1 Peter 4.10, this is what it says. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So right now, the Apostle Peter says this, each one of us has been given a gift. I don't know my gift, and that's okay. God will show it to you if you're willing, if you're intentional about asking God to reveal to you what have you gifted me with. But then he takes it further. Brother Brett, as we receive our gift, we use it to minister. Huge misconception today that the pastor's job is to do it all. But I'm here to tell you, there's only a few pastors. There's two billion Christians in this world. Latest statistic, Christianity is the biggest religion out there. Over two billion. I, I use quotes because some just say it, they don't really live it. But the fact is, is there's more Christians than there are pastors. And every one of us, the Bible says, we're given a gift yes. to minister. Yes. So we have to be intentional. Tomorrow morning, you need to be intentional about saying, you know what, God, I don't know who I'm going to meet today, but show me who you want me to speak to. Who is it that, you, that doesn't know you as I do, and how can I share the hope that I have? Peter's the only, the, also the, the one that said that we are to be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I, got to, I was telling Brother Brett when I got here, we had a funeral yesterday in our church, and I've probably done 25, 30 funerals, um, in the last four years, that's terrible to say, but yesterday, if there is such a thing, yesterday was the best funeral I've ever been a part of. It was such a celebration of life. I mean, there was no doubt. If this lady didn't go to heaven, none of us have a prayer. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we can all stop. If Mary Ann Simmons isn't there, Brandon Lynch has no hope. I mean, she was just an epitome of a woman who loved Jesus and then loved to serve him by making him known. Now, over the last few years, she had been suffering from dementia. So she wasn't able to play the piano anymore. And it even got to the, in the last few, uh, last year, she couldn't even come to church anymore. But the point I'm trying to explain to you is this. She had the greatest gift of encouragement. And even dementia didn't have the power to take that away from her. And she was just so encouraging, and she loved Jesus. She spent 83 years being intentional, intentional about sharing the gospel. We, brothers and sisters, need to be intentional as well. So the first thing we see is that we are to minister, using our gifts to minister, to be intentional. And then once we become intentional, we must, number two, the next thing that we see Jesus do is we have to relate things to the natural. 
In verses 5 through 7, we see Jesus, as he encounters this woman, he uses what is there to spark a conversation. He's sitting by the well. In verse 6, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, thus sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, why is this so important that we use things and relate it to the natural? Well, brothers and sisters, our thing that we are intentional about is talking to lost people. And you can't just run up to a lost people and recite John 3.16 and expect them to know what you are talking about. Jesus just couldn't sit down and start saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, the Son. She didn't understand that. Why doesn't she understand that? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Tomorrow, if you meet someone who doesn't know Christ, you can't just start spewing off Scripture. They don't understand that. Jesus came and used what was there so he could get her attention. You fishermen, you buy bait. If you use artificial tackle, what do we do? We try to find the the thing that looks so natural to that fish. So that when we throw that hook out there, what we do is we want them to want what you've just thrown more than what they already have. And it has to be something natural, something that they see and would recognize. The last thing you would do is throw an empty hook, would you? Because you're not going to catch anything. And brothers and sisters, when we are intentional about talking to people who do not know Jesus, we can't just throw an empty hook. We have to have some kind of way to reach them on their level. I was talking to that gentleman there, and and I wasn't always a preacher. I spent 17 years in the oil field. I was an offshore worker for years. And then, you know, when Jesus radically changed my life, um, the biggest thing I was trying to figure out, because oil field is tough man atmosphere. You know, you got to be tough, and there's things happening out there that it's just shameful. And, I mean, men are more worried about looking at the Internet online. You can take it where they're looking at. So it was like, how do I, man, how do I, uh, you know, witness to them? Because the last thing I was going to do is scream John 3.16. I mean, they, they wasn't going to have that. Well, I like to play guitar. I didn't say I'm very good. I just, I like to play it. And there was a buddy of mine that I worked with, Chase Ballard, for years. And Chase was, he's a great guy, but he's just old redneck. And he's just, you know, just tough and, you know, likes his Copenhagen. And man, just Merle Haggard and he's jamming. And it was, how do I, how do I witness to this guy? And I noticed that he had a guitar. I said, man, you like to play. He said, Yeah. So I just got a guitar out with him. Yeah, I had to learn some Merle Haggard. That's all right. I'm not a big country person, but that was cool. We'll do that. My wife says that's a shame because I'm not a big country person. But I was willing to do that. It's called meeting them where they are. You see, Jesus was willing to go through Samaria because sometimes we have to meet people where they are in order to get them on the track that they need to go. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, I became all things to all people that by all means I might save some. So if I needed to play a little Merle Haggard, I'd play a little Merle Haggard because six months later, man, Jason Gray was writing, he came out with a song that time on Caleb and it was called I Am New. 
because through that guitar, I got him playing Chris Tomlin because he wasn't a good guitar player. And if you're not a good guitar player and you know three chords, G, C, and D, you can play every Chris Tomlin song he ever wrote. <laughs> so getting him to play Chris Tomlin, and then I'll never forget, he called me one day, and man, I answered the phone. Brett, he was screaming. I thought he got in a wreck. And he was like, I am new. And I said, what? He said, no, you're not listening to me. He said, man, I heard God, and I am new. I am not who I was. I am new. So that's what we do. We have to be willing to relate things to the natural, things that they know, meeting them where they are so that we can then next create an opening for the supernatural, create an opening for the spiritual things. We use what we have in order and in hopes to bring them into God's word. Jesus, being a master at this, he was able to do this. He meets this woman at the well. He says, give me a drink. Uses what is there to speak to her. And we know that it shocked her. Look what she said in verse 9. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Here he goes. Natural things. But look how he takes the conversation into the spiritual realm of things. Verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, brothers and sisters, that's what we are to do. That's why it's so important that you know God's word. Because you can only play Merle Haggard so long, eventually you've got to bring them to the word of God. Yes, we use the natural. Yes, we become all things to all people. But eventually, we've got to find that little niche. We've got to find that little hook, line, and sinker where we can throw Jesus into the mix so His Word can begin doing what it was written for you and me and for all of us to do, and that's completely change us. So Jesus, beginning the conversation, give me something to drink, and then begin speaking living truth into her life. Brothers and sisters, if you know the Word of God, if you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you know more than any lost person out there. You've just got to become intentional about speaking to them. Find out the things they like. Maybe you'll meet an old redneck boy like Chase who likes Merle Haggard. And praise Jesus if you do. Learn about Merle. It's okay. You will not go to hell, I promise you. <laughs> You're not going to go to hell if you play a little Merle Haggard. I still remember it to this day. I can start playing it. It's okay. Because the point is, you're wanting to bring a little life-changing God into them. You're wanting to bring that natural into the spiritual. This is what we are to do. Verse 11, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well's deep. Where then do you get that living water? He's got her mind turning now. What in the world do you mean, this water? You're sitting here with nothing. Jesus, and then she asked Jesus, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Here Jesus does what he does best. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see what he has done. 
Now he's got the conversation going the way he wanted it to go from the very beginning. Off of every other thing around, and now he's putting it upon the Father in heaven. Everything Jesus did was to bring glory to the Father. Everything he did brought glory to the Father. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, everything that you should be doing should be bringing glory to him. Every single thing. You should be knowing him and making him know. So we have to become intentional. Relate to the natural so we can bring it to the spiritual. But then, this is the hard part. This is the part, brothers and sisters, that the church has to be willing to do again. Then when we bring them into the spiritual, when we get them into the Word of God, then that's when we allow the Word of God to do what it's meant to do. And that's number four. We have to allow some conviction to come into their lives. Today, I fear for the church. Because today, more than ever, you have more of this prosperity gospel being preached. You have more of these... And I use this term loosely, preachers coming in, preaching this, oh, your best life right now, and God loves you just like you are, and it's all good. And there's no conviction coming into people's life. I told you that I started my life in the oil field, and in my 20s, I was rough. And if you'd have told me at 23, 24 years old that I was going to be a preacher one day, I'd have told you, you a lie. Because the only thing that I was worshiping was my money, and I, I did worship my wife. I can't help it about that. I loved her. Um, you know, and then my party life when I was home. And I will stand here and tell you and anybody else that. Something had to convict me. If I would have been told at 23, 24, what I'm doing is all good and Jesus loved me, I would still be doing that. But see, his word had to come in and it had to tell me some things that were wrong so that I would be willing to get right. Now, brothers and sisters, hear my heart. It's not your job to convict, but that is our job to be intentional, to spark those conversations and to bring what they know into the Bible, and then the Bible can do its job. Listen to me. Jesus can do the job, but we've got to bring them there. We've got to get them having those conversations because I don't know what happened to Chase. I don't know what happened in that truck the day he called me hollering. I don't know what sin was in his life. But conviction hit, and that man called me and said, I am brand new. Here we see Jesus doing this with this lady. Now, I'm not saying that he was doing this just to be a judge. No, he wanted this lady to hear the word of God, but he wanted this lady to know who exactly was speaking to her, and he wanted this lady to see the error in his life. That's love. It's love to share God's word with people and to show them the way they are living, especially when it's not in the way God's created us to live. And Jesus does that with this woman as we continue the story. In verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come out here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Jesus, slick. <laughs> Because Jesus knew she didn't have any husband. Jesus knew already the life that she was leading. Verse 17, she said, The woman answered and said, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said, Well, I have no husband, for you have had five. And the one whom you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Hear my heart, Jesus wasn't trying to make this woman feel bad. 
Jesus wanted this woman to realize that she needed him in her life. You see, the way that we show people that they need Jesus in their life is that we have to relate that natural, bring it into the spiritual and show God's word. And in God's word, we see clearly that we can't do life without him. That there is a sin debt that had to be paid and we could not pay it. They have to realize that God demanded perfection. Take them back to the Old Testament. Show them the Ten Commandments and say, this is what he expects and we can't do it. None of us could do it. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Now throw John 3.16 in the mix. Now it makes sense. Explain to them the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Show them the errors in their life, the way they're going, that that's not the way God created them. Let that conviction come in so that they can call and say, I've been made new. Brothers and sisters, this is what the church has to do. You don't do it in hopes that you gain another church member. Look, there's going to be a lot of people on their day of judgment holding their membership cards and it won't mean anything. None of that will mean anything. There'll be so many people standing in the judgment line with wet clothes because they just got baptized, but it didn't mean anything because they were not truly living according to the word, not the word that I have written. They haven't truly surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way. He never said a church membership was the way. Now, Brett wants church members and so do I, but I want church members who love Jesus. That's what I want. I want church members that know Christ and want to make them known. I even want church members to come in that doesn't know Jesus but wants to because they know the life they're leading. It's only one road is going to send them to. Hell's a real place. It's real, brothers and sisters. No, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, but I am not going to sit here and tell you something that's not true. Hell's real. And without Christ, we're all going. Paul was the best at showing people why we needed Christ. I love the apostle Paul. He is like the epitome of, of what I want to be. As far as a human being, it's Paul. Because Paul knew that who he was was no good, but who he became was all about Jesus. And from his Damascus Road experience to the day he died, Paul was all about some Christ. But in Galatians, I love what he wrote. Galatians 3.10, he said, "For For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. What is Paul is saying is this. Without Jesus, you're cursed. Because you cannot fulfill the commandments of God. And God wanted perfection. So we show these people. You're out there fishing. And you reveal the truth. You show the people God's word. So that God's word can convict them. And through that conviction, then, brothers and sisters, the last thing this morning is that we can reveal His truth. There's only one truth in this world. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As they continue their conversation, I love this story. In verse 19, she says, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. He says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say it's in Jerusalem, in the place where one ought to worship. And then here Jesus begins to reveal truth. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What Jesus is telling her, she began asking about traditions. Well, my daddy said this is where we worship. Y'all's daddy said that's where y'all worship. Jesus says, guess what? Your daddy and the other daddies are all wrong. You worship me. I don't care where you worship. I don't care about your pretty clothes. I don't care if you stand up, sit down, kneel down. Some people do. I don't care if you do contemporary music or if you play piano and organ. Jesus says the truth is this. You worship the Lord your God. You worship him in spirit and in truth. Brothers and sisters, the time is now. The time is now that we begin worshiping Jesus the way that he has called us to do it. And I'm here to tell you, that don't mean today. It means tomorrow and Tuesday, Wednesday. When you're outside of the comfort of these beautiful walls, when Brett's not preaching to you and you're out in the world and you're coming in contact with people who don't understand, why do you even go to church? There it's time to be intentional. There's your opportunity to start making him known. You were created. You are wonderfully and beautifully created. We are told that we are chosen people. Royal priesthood, a holy nation. All through scripture we're told how God chose us. Scripture it even says in Peter that we were, you know, he chose us before the foundation of the world was ever created. He already had a plan. He has a plan for each one of you. And maybe today, as you are in homecoming, today you can be reminded what that plan is. The plan is to know Him, and I believe you do. But the plan is also to go and make Him known. Go and be fishers of men. Be intentional. Show those people why you have the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Reveal His Word to them so that conviction can come in. Look, conviction is the greatest thing in the world. I love conviction. Because that means Jesus is talking to me. And he's correcting those things that needs to be corrected in my life. I had a guy, I'm still friends with him, his name's Ellis. Now, when you look at Ellis, he looks scary. He's a big old muscled up dude. And man, I tried to work out with him. I ended up with shoulder surgery. I couldn't hang with that dude. <laughs> and, uh, but a big old muscled up guy. But I mean, he is, he's covered in some tattoos. I mean, all over. And, you know, he's just covered in his legs, his arms. And he, and he, I call it a quality beard. I, Brett, we can't grow a beard like this. This man can grow a beard in three weeks. It's out like this. You know, he's just intimidating. Got the biggest heart in the world. And I remember one day offshore, he was like, man, I got all this conviction. I can't stand it. And I, I looked him in the face. I said, no, you better love it. Because conviction means God speaking to yes. you. Amen. Woe is those who can't hear God speak. So bring, bring them into those spiritual things so can, conviction can come in their life. And then, brothers and sisters, you can reveal truth. I'm going to ask Brother Brad as I lead us in, in a prayer, if you have a time of invitation. And as, as we pray, my, my heart is this. Be honest with yourself. Are you fulfilling the reason God's created you? And you say, yes, I know Him. But are you, are you making Him known? Are you spending daily time with Jesus Christ? Are you learning His Word so you can go out and, and fish for men the way that Jesus has commanded us to do so? 
Making disciples isn't voluntary. It was a command. And my prayer for Chesbro Baptist Church is that you make disciples daily. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come to you again in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you so much for your written word. Father, I thank you that we as your creation, we don't even have to wonder what it is we should be doing. Father, you've made it so clear in, in your word that we are to know you, Father. We are to know you through your son, Jesus Christ, and then we are to make you known. Now, Lord, not all of us have meant to be called pastors. Not all of us are piano players. Not all of us are singers. Not all of us are Sunday school teachers. But as we just saw, that we were all given gifts, and those gifts were meant to minister. But, Father, we have to be intentional. I pray this morning, Lord, that hearts would begin to feel the urge to become intentional. Be intentional about meeting people where they are. And, Lord, if it's like we said, if we have to grab a guitar and play a country song, well, so be it. If Paul was willing to become all things, we should be as well. But, Father, as we do that, I believe Paul was so great, he would bring it back into the spiritual realm of things, and we need to do that. Turn those conversations back to you so that, Lord, your spirit can convict and then reveal the truth of life to them. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their heart. And my prayer is that they walk live that they're walking with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.